Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's College Sports Communicators Live webinar. We are pleased to offer this session on strategies for broadcasting live events, building your in-home house staff and more. So thanks for joining us for this important session as we discuss ways to assist CSC members in all areas of running live broadcasts as our presenters thoughts and strategies on building a staff, particularly with students working with your carriers and takeaways as you develop a play-by-play -play announcers and color commentators and especially where many of us might be short-staffed and budget limited. My name is Elisa Mitten, and I'm the Sports Information Coordinator and Home Event Manager at the University of Windsor up in Canada, and I will be serving as today's uh, webcast moderator. Our guest pan panelists that are joining us today are Adam Ledyard, Assistant AD for Communications at East Texas Baptist, Reagan Ratcliffe, Associate AD for Media Relations at Dallas Baptist, Whitney Hayworth, Director of Creative and Digital Strategies at Georgia Southern, and Alex Souza, Assistant AD of Digital Initiatives and Branding at Coastal Carolina. Now, as a reminder, we are pre-recording this webinar, and later in this attendees hub, you'll, you can either watch it as an on-demand session or listen to it as a podcast. Please feel free to invite fellow current CSC colleagues to listen and watch in this member hub. And also, we welcome you to ask questions at any time. All you have to do is just place them in the attendee hub section and you can ask anonymously if you wish. Now we've got lots to cover today, so why don't we get started? Now a topic we thought that might be good, a good starting point is student staffing. Where do you get your students? How do you recruit them? Alex, did you wanna kick us off with what you do over at Coastal Carolina? Oh, Alex isn't here yet, is he? Okay, so Whitney, what about you? How do you recruit um, over at your institution? Yes, so Alex and I are recruiting a lot in the same way. And um, I wish I could follow up, after, you know, as he and I kind of briefed and talked about yesterday, this seminar, uh, you know, and how we recruit students. You know, he's really done a great job over the last few years as Coastal Carolina's built up their broadcast. And honestly, that's my goal and kind of the route and the route that he takes. Uh, I'm entering or ending my first academic year with Georgia Southern. So it's been a process. I, you know, obviously kind of walked in and have been keeping my barely keeping my head above water as we've gone through this year. But I've been lucky that I acquired a number of students um, that were student workers or interns. And honestly, the biggest way that we've been recruiting thus far in my first year here is through word of mouth. Um, and this goes for both the broadcast side of things and also the creative side. And it's really been a lot about who you know. Um, so it's one student shooting, a, you know, shooting an event or running camera at a, an event, wearing an ESPN plus shirt that then another student sees and, and goes up to them and says, hey, who are you? How do you how do you do this? I'm interested. Um, and then the, the other route that we've been doing and certainly look forward to doing more is really hitting the classrooms and talking with professors and using those networks as well. And I know that's something that Alex can talk more about and how he's grown his team is really getting into the classrooms and onto the academic side of campus. That's great, Whitney. Thank you. Um, Reagan, did you have anything to add there? I mean, we're kind of in a similar position uh, at Dallas Baptist. We've got, we actually have, we have two classes that we have uh, within our communications department uh, that we're fortunate uh, to be able to recruit students from. One is like a, is a practicum class where they're learning a lot of the technical side. So in terms of the camera work, directing, instant replay, um, we're also fairly fortunate that we've got a control room uh, that we've been able to build up here over the last five or six years. Um, that wasn't always that case, but um, that's something that it's come about and we've been able to develop it here recently. Uh, we've also have a broadcast class. So those that are interested more in, in getting into the play-by-play -play, color analyst, sideline type reporting, we're able to begin to kind of develop that talent, uh, as well, but probably in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 students, um, year to year, uh, that we're able to, to recruit from. Um, but it's just real important for us within media relations, communications, and as professors to be able to I come alongside those students and, and be able to help train them up. Um, I'm not as well versed on the technical side as I am on more of the play-by-play -play type stuff, but uh, just being able to give them instruction, guidance, uh, so that they're they're well prepared to 
to be able to to go on air when the time comes. That's right, Adam. And, and I follow up with that similar to those two, but I work more with the, the communications department and build a great relationship with the chair and uh, he'll send over interns and, and practicum students all the time for for me to use. And uh, that's only been within the last three or four years when they changed over things here and he, he came and started. And so we I've been blessed to have students come in and uh, want to do communications and we figure out where they want to go if it's through broadcasting, doing camera or creative. And a lot of times then we just uh, plug them in and see where they'll fit in and, and move on up through the, the broadcasting ranks. That's great. Now, have you guys found as well, you know, being able to retain uh, your student staff employees? You know, are, are you able to engage them enough that they want to keep coming back year after year? Or do you, have you seen some staff, you know, have a lot of staff turnover? I think for, for us, it's um, kind of on a year-to-year -year proposition. Some years are, seem to be better than others, but um, it also kind of is, is dependent upon the student. I, I think as they're exposed to this industry, they find out pretty quick, hey, is this something that I really want to do? Because I think a lot of, especially people that are in, on air or in front of the camera, I think you just you just get on and do it. And, and it's one of those jobs where you don't wing it. There's a lot of preparation that goes into it. Um, always equate it to kind of like taking a test, all, all the hours and prep that you do to, to prepare for a test. And then when it's time to go on air, then then I'm ready to do it. Uh, I'm ready to be on air. And so uh, there's some that, that really enjoy that process. And we find that those are the kind of students that really thrive. Um, and then on the technical side, one thing that we want to do in terms of camera work and production is just to expose them to as many different areas as possible. Um, we find for us, we're kind of in a, in a unique situation where Baseball is our lone Division One sport. Everything else is, is Division Two. So in the fall, uh, with soccer, basketball, volleyball, we allow them to, to be in as many different roles as possible. And so they kind of find a niche where, hey, I really enjoy the the production side of things, or I I really find that I thrive in directing or producing or instant replay, whatever it may be. But we want to give them the opportunity to be in all those different types of roles. Uh, when the spring rolls around for us, when it gets to baseball, um, wherever we feel like they're best suited uh, and where they've thrived during the fall. Then we try to get them into that specific position uh, and then let them really let them grow in that area. So if they've, so we've got somebody that's really good on instant replay, then in the springtime, then that's where they're going to be. And so we, I think if we just show them their value and, and their worth, give them constant feedback, Hey, you did this really well. Hey, you can do this better. Uh, then I think we found that those are the kind of students that, that typically want to want to come back. If it's something that they in fact enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. And I just got notification that Alex is going to be signing on soon. So I just wanted to, in the meantime, just remind everyone to, at you know, at any time, please submit a question and we will gladly take it and answer it. Or even if you have a little tidbit of information about how you retain your students or recruit them, and that's an interesting way we haven't talked about. We'd love to hear that as well. Um, Alex, welcome. We heard you were stuck in traffic. We're glad it didn't take too long to get out of it. Yeah, the crazy we were, Conway, South Carolina traffic. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about student staffing and recruiting them and being able to uh, retain them and not have a lot of staff turnover. What do you guys do over at Coastal Carolina? Sure. Um, so we try to create a little pipeline. Um, we use our, you know, our recreation sport management uh, area. Um, they have a class uh, RSM 393. It, it covers a lot of media relations, a lot of sport technology, um, and they have to work uh, six or seven games for us, depending on the semester. Uh, we try to turn those, give them the best atmosphere they can, the best um, experience that we can. Um, a lot of great experience running camera, directing, things like that, and um, turn them into student workers and um, and full time interns later in the in the RSM. Um, matriculation to their to their degree. Um, otherwise, we we advertise around on social media. We have our own uh, Twitter account that we try to you know show the students doing a great job, uh, experiential learning, things like that. And and we really lean on you know the success we've had. And you know if someone goes on and gets a gets a great job, um, we make sure to tell everyone about it. You know if someone's working for the NBA, then uh, someone's gonna know about that. If they're running their own department um, at a, at a school, then, you know, that's something that we try to push that instead of working down at the beach or, 
working on campus for someone else is that you can get career development through us um, because we do rely on students so much that you're going to get hands-on direct experience producing um, ESPN quality shows. So uh, that's what we really, really push and um, try to give them the best experience once they're once they're on board. That's great. Thank you, Alex. I think this is probably a good spot to transition into our next topic, which is along the same lines, but it's recruiting um, good play-by-play -play and color commentator talent, right? We're all on limited budgets, budgets. So how do we do that? How do we find those people? Adam, did you want to weigh in here first? Yeah, I've got a, a pool of money that I can hire workers with, but a lot of it is uh, just the work study portal and they come in and they interview and we find out, you know, hey, where do you want to go and work for us? And some of it's word of mouth of them bringing in friends and hearing what we do. But once we bring them in, we've we've got like we have a tier that's not published. But if you want to come into to broadcast, for instance, all right, we have developmental games uh, for some of our sports. So you can start out on the PA there. And how did you do on that? OK, let's move you up to a varsity game now to do PA. All right. How did you do there? The next step is doing some color for uh, the streaming. All right. How did that go? And then if we feel you're capable of doing a play by play, then we move you in to do play by play. And now uh, I've got a student, two students actually, that do full play by play for all of our sports right right now. And one of them will move into a graduate assistant position here. So we've groomed from within within our communications department moving them up from, you know, sophomore, junior year into a graduate assistant position. And, and that's how we've done it is just uh, pulling from within, talking to the communications professor, our work study portal, and then seeing where, where they fit at and what they want to do. And if they know of somebody that wants to go into broadcasting or sports communications, they bring them over and say, hey, you know, we thought about this kid. Would you, would you like to interview them and see if, if that'll work? And so a lot of it is them also recruiting for us uh, looking out for talent and things like that because they know it's such a great time. And actually, you know, we always say the best job on campus is working in sports communications. And so they try to bring their friends in and work here with us. So that's how we work up through our tier and just and and build them up kind of through the the minor leagues up to the major leagues with the uh, the broadcasting side of it. That's great, Adam. Thank you. Um, Alex, did you want to weigh in here? I believe you have a graphic as well that shows your process. Nope, you're on yeah. mute. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, it's it's very similar. Um, so um, we do bring in um, students. So this isn't directly you know play by play, but we follow a, a similar path. Um, but it's really just about giving them experience that they can they can learn as students. Um, you know, what everyone's doing. So um, everyone starts on a camera um, and then we, we quickly get them into the trailer in kind of not inconsequential roles where, where they can't mess up a whole ton. But if they're paying attention and, and learning, then they can, um, you know, learn what the director does, learn what replay does, learn what graphics do, learn about our discussion in our conversations with the talent like we're talking about so they know that you know it's not just you talking um and all of a sudden graphics pop up so when they step into a broadcaster role or any of these other roles they know kind of the big picture um so we try to we try to get them in the trailer as quick as we can or in this case over here the secondary area and they learn kind of the kind of the whole the whole kit and caboodle um and then eventually it in, in this case, in this graphic, it's, um, you know, down to a director, but it could also follow a path very similar to, to Adams where they're, they're doing some preseason stuff or they're doing, you know, maybe not as highly viewed um, events in that that's where they're getting their, their reps on play-by-play -play or, or graphics or replay, whatever it may be. And um, it kind of gives them the full picture and then they can understand when they're in each other role, each role, they know how, to then, um, you know, supplement and support other roles around them, and it be they become a better broadcaster, whether they're on air or behind the scenes. That's great. I actually think that's um, a really good point, and really something really good for the play-by-play -play and the color people to know is how everything works, 
right? So they don't have all these expectations of, you know, they actually have a complete understanding. Do, do any of you have any play-by-play or color commentators that just came to you from, you know, outside of your organization, like a someone from the community and they didn't work their way up working from the camera up into play-by-play or has is all of your talent like internal and students? For us, really, the, the, the talent that we have in terms of students uh, is really from from within. Uh, very rarely, I don't think we've we've gone from the outside. Um, kind of go back to your to your last question. I think one thing with with students that are looking to get into play by play, most of them, at least at this age, don't have any experience in doing that. And so uh, one thing that that I encourage them to do is we sit down and just visit is, hey, go in uh, whatever it is that they're interested in, whether it's play by play, sideline reporting, pregame show host is go and take whatever your favorite sport is uh, and put together a sideline report or put together five minutes of play-by-play audio. And, you know, for, for us, I mean, the expectations probably is not, is not all that high, especially if, they, if they've never done it before, but you'd be surprised. Uh, some come in, you can tell, hey, this is someone that, that definitely has some talent that we can groom as a play-by-play uh, talent, or, you know, hey, maybe their niche is going to be more sideline reporting, but um, I'm always intrigued to, to, to hear what they put together. Uh, you can tell a lot from the effort, the time that they took uh, to put that together and then to be able to give them some feedback. And that's really when you talk about like just recruiting and, and figuring out, hey, where can we place our students best? That's that's one way in which in which we do it. And we found some really good talent, particularly with sideline reporting, pregame show, halftime show um, host uh, for us. Oh, that's great. We, for us up at Windsor, we, um, we are a bit more of basic uh, broadcast just due to facility limitations and things. So we don't have right now sideline reporting and that kind of stuff. But I've actually been very fortunate and am a little different than you guys is all of my play-by-play and color commentators are members of my community. And they've worked at our local television station. And some of them did start out as students or came to me from another institution um, where they played volleyball but they also have an interest in broadcasting, right? So they've, you know, hosted my podcast and then gone on to be play-by-play. So I have like a completely different scenario um, than all of you that I was able to tap into my local television stations and, you know, the different broadcasts that we have to be able to gain, get my um, students or my play-by-play. But I, what I, something I'm thinking of just listening to you guys is I think I want to um start training some of my students because I know that my play-by-play volunteers aren't going to be here forever. So, you know, even hearing from you guys, these are some great tips that I think everyone is going to um, really benefit from. We have our first question. It is from Nathaniel Thomas. He says, I'm a student at a mid-small D2 in Pennsylvania. How do we keep the students from burning out? I have done 130 streams in two years across eight sports. I think I have missed six productions in that time. Our campus media is responsible for the streaming. Whitney, did you want to tackle that one maybe first? So I I feel his pain. So I'm in a unique spot where I actually, unlike Alex, I don't oversee our full broadcast production. That's another position um, here at Georgia Southern, but I oversee more so of our creative side. But obviously we work hand in hand. So although I may not be in the control room, um, you know, I'm at almost every event covering in some form or fashion as well. And I, you know, it's it's an unfortunate thing that I think, you know, as a group we've all talked about and that we want to get better. And that's exactly why we're here is to, you know, try and solve those questions. Um, I think a lot of it is being able to at sometimes, at some points in time, stand up for yourself and and say, hey, like I've got to take a step back and I've got to take a break. Um, you're, you know, unfortunately, a lot of us are always short staffed, obviously, but it's it's a it's kind of a, a mixture of then figuring out the best way to schedule your students or your staff. I know a lot of what we do here is we're very, very lucky that our supervisors know the importance of our roles and this part of the industry, and they're very cognizant of our time. So when we are doing broadcast and we have those long days, you know, we're in the office and you're setting up, you're breaking down, you're, you know, all, you know, the whole flow of it. Um, but they're very cognizant that, hey, if we don't have a broadcast and there's not something to be covered in the office that following day or whatever day it may be, work from home, come in late, leave early. 
Um, so I think it's a, it's really opening that line of communication, um, not only with your peers, but your superiors as well to say, to make them realize all of the hard work and the hours that are going in. Um, and then to try and find that work-life balance, obviously it's, it's a hard thing to do. Um, I think one of the, obviously, as you look ahead in these next few weeks for all of us, as you enter that summertime is, is then looking at your calendar and knowing, okay, I'm here's when to take the breaks, um, and take advantage of it and kind of recharge. So, you know, there's no easy answer, obviously. Um, but I think it is just really honing down on what you know is best for you your, yourself um, and then working with your teammates to figure out the best way to solve those, those time-consuming moments. Thank you, Whitney. Did anyone else have anything to add to answer Nathan, Nathaniel's question? I think to to echo what what Whitney said is is to stand up for yourself. I've had plenty of times, you know, where, you know, we have a star student and, and we talk about, you know, where they go on to to eventually work. And I, you know, try to dangle that carrot of like, oh, you could go get a great job, you know, stay dedicated, stay dedicated. But if you burn out and, and don't want to do broadcasting anymore, then, you know, I, you're not going to get that job um, because I've worn you out. Um, so it's definitely on us to to realize that that's happening, you know, in our leadership roles, but definitely speak up like I, I have a busy week. I'm, I'm also a student, um, you know, even if it's not a busy week and it is a chance to look at the calendar and take a break. Um, I think hearing that is huge for us because we're trying to put on an event and we're trying to put on the best one. So we're going to use you. So Nathaniel must be, you know, if you're doing 130 games over two years, probably a stud. So that person, they're probably scheduling you because they want to put on the best show, but we can get our blinders on because of that. Um, and so hearing it is, is huge. We need to realize it ourselves, but hearing it uh, definitely, you know, wakes us up a little bit. I'm like, yeah, let's, they are students. They're not professionals. We're not paying them like, you know, freelancers or something like that. So let's take a break and let's take a step back so they can be even better when they come back in maybe a week. That's great. Thanks, Alex. Nathaniel, I hope that um, that answered your question. But I think it also, you know, opened our minds too that maybe we need to look at our staff schedules and look at our students and make sure that we are not overworking them and see how many games you are we are actually scheduling you for and say, you know what? I know Nathaniel's worked about five of the last six games. Maybe we should give him a couple of days off, right? Like it's got to be something for us too. Oh, and it says Nathaniel added, I'm the only one who knows how to run production truck at the student level in campus media. Nathaniel, this is where you take your leadership. This is where you put yourself in a leadership role and start training other students as well, because I know your SID will be grateful for that and they will actually see you as a leader and maybe promote you again. <laughs> okay, so we have another question from Jill Clark. And our next topic is actually, we were going to talk about building relationships with our webcast carriers. And Jill's does talk about... Um, you know, our different platforms. So Jill is from the University of Toronto. And uh, her question is, with so many platforms and ways to follow a game, how do you push your audiences to watch your broadcast as the top option? Examples, how do you push the stream when there is live tweeting, live stats, IG stories, et cetera, et cetera? Reagan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, and we're again, kind of in a, in a unique situation with, with baseball being our division one sport for, for our D two sports, everything is through a, a conference network. Um, and, but for, for baseball um, being our division one, we've, we actually have our own, our own site that's dedicated. We use blue frame and uh, they've been, it's, it's been an outstanding partnership. Um, it's a website that we've been able to develop with live broadcasts. We archive everything. Uh, we do a video broadcast for home games audio only for road, but we can archive everything on there as well. Um, but we really, I mean, we push for us, we push the, the broadcast as, as the main option to watch. And I think for us, I mean, that's truly how most, I mean, dedicated fans that want to follow it are, are going to the, going to the broadcast. Obviously we've got, you know, your Twitter and Instagram. That's just, that's been such a game changer. I mean, it's absolutely changed everything. I think in our field over the last, five to seven years in terms of the different avenues in which you can push your broadcast through and highlight clips. And, and it's just, um, it's unbelievable where we are now with, with everything. But um, for us too, with, with baseball, we, and it, everybody's got a little different philosophy on whether to have a subscription-based broadcast where you're paying, whether that's for, for the year or by game. 
for us, what we've chosen to do with, with baseball is we want to get as many eyes on our product and make it as easy for people to watch. And so um, we've made it free uh, for, for people to watch. And so um, there's the, I think there's the possibility that we'll be on ESPN next year, but we've done this for the last almost 10 years uh, with our own, with our own network. And we've got a, a lot of great response in that. We've grown our product. Um, and I, you know, the, uh, the, where we make our money is just through sponsorships, uh, through, through advertising. Uh, so we try to recoup that cost, but again, just trying to get as many people to watch our product as possible. That's great, Reagan. Thank you. Um, Winnie, did you want to chime in here with any thoughts of how you direct people's attention since you're on the creative side? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I have to apologize too. I know my internet is probably a little wonky today. Um, and it goes back to honestly, Nathaniel's question and that you're running around doing it so many different events. I'm in an office off campus. So, you know, it is what it is. So I apologize for that. Um, but, you know, I think honestly, we we obviously push all of our games and our fans to watch on ESPN Plus because that's who we are partnered with um, through the Sunbelt Conference. Um, but really then, you know, it's up to the viewer themselves and you can only push and encourage so much. Um, you're going to have a handful of people that want to watch the broadcast and they love the, the voices and the talent that they're seeing on E+. Then you've got your group that still loves their radio um, and listening that way. Um, and then you're also in a way at the mercy um, in terms of live tweeting and the creative side that you can only push so much so fast um, in the actual game. Um, you know, ESPN does provide rules that you can only post so many live clips during a game and, and those vary sport to sport. Um, so if you're a person that loves to follow via that way, you're not going to get every single highlight right then and there. Um, and then obviously from a creative side, it takes a little bit of time. If you're, you know, just this past weekend, you know, I'm out there and someone hits a home run and I, I text who's running the social media up in the press box. And she was like, yeah, clip it. That would be great. Well, it turns out then we hit like three more home runs back to back to back. And I was like, well, you're going to, it's going to be a minute. Um, so those, you know, that want it instantaneously, obviously ESPN plus or that live stream is the way to go. Um, and so that's our, you know, our number one. Um, and then everything else, I think, um, is an added bonus in the end. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, like up in Ontario, we, as I mentioned in our pre-call yesterday, we all of our schools broadcast on the same platform. And we have one website that directs all of our fans, no matter what school it is, to the one website in the one location. And they can watch any game around the league and any sport at any given time, right? Like they don't have to keep logging in and out of different platforms and different websites and things like that. And I think as a conference for us, you know, we have all of us do live tweet and do live stats and have the IG stories as well. But I think as a conference, we need to do a better job of just promoting our OUA.tv, right? Because it sends everybody there and there's live stats and all that kind of stuff. So I think that um, is something that we should do. And if other conferences, uh, you know, across uh, North America do that as well, broadcast on a platform. I think that would be a good option too for them. You know, can I add to that real quick? Uh, of course you can. We push everybody, we're a small division three school, we just push everybody to our website and we're with, with Sidearm and we stream through production truck. But on game day, I do a game day page regularly on our website and then I do the game day landing pages for our sports. And then we also have a, a, a bit.ly link that I put out there that directs everybody back to our watch page on our website. So we're everything we put out there, we push back to our website. And then, like Whitney said, you know, the preference of what people want to do. So some people just want the Instagram story or the tweets. But all that is in a game day uh, social media post that we put out with the links to, you know, Apple TV and, and Roku with the links that we have through Sidearm and those apps that they can go to if they want to watch on their smart TV instead of through the website. But in the end, it's all still the same branding and the same look that you have. Uh, it's just where it's being directed from. And so we push everybody to our website with all of our links and what we do. So that way there's one site with everything in it and it's not all over at different places where you can watch different things. Oh, that's great. No, that makes sense. Drive everybody to the same location and then they can choose their watching preference from there. 
no, that's great. Okay, so I think now it's a good time to talk about our limited resources and how we're using them. Um, so obviously we're all here because most of us are looking and learning for new ways to create a fantastic broadcast on a limited budget. Now, Reagan, you mentioned earlier that you have an interesting setup where your baseball team is D1 and then all of your other sports are D2. Can you tell us a little bit more about your setup and what you do and how you cover off between the two? Between baseball and our, you said the division two? Yes. Sports. Yes, because yours is interesting where D1 has a probably certain, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Certain broadcast specifications that you have yeah. to do and then the D2s are different, but we're all sure. on the limited budget. How do you decide? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with baseball, we're fortunate to have a, a four camera setup and really it's something that, that's grown over the, over the years. It's not anything that uh, is where we, where we are now is not where we started 10 years ago. Well, it used to be just a high home camera and we were building it from the ground up. Then it went to two cameras and now it's a, it's really become a full blown production with, with four cameras and instant replay. And, um, but because it's division one and with the instant replay uh, requirements, um, we'd really try to treat that as, as big of a production as possible. Um, but where all that really starts, I think it goes back to the fall for us with developing our, our talent and our students, um, because we really rely on it. Everything we do is student run cameras, production, directing, instant replays. And so the fall is critical, even though it's different sports like soccer, basketball, volleyball, it's different than baseball, but they're learning all those systems. Uh, the camera work, the the direction, the replay. And like I mentioned earlier, we want to expose them to as many different roles during the fall, but we'll find our best talent uh, going into the spring. Uh, and we'll meet with, meet with our, uh, our production crew well in advance of the season. And we just, we want to emphasize to them how valuable they are uh, because without them, it's, it's impossible to do what we're going to do. And we, we really want to treat it as an ESPN type broadcast. Um, we want them to have the feel of, Hey, this is something that we want it to have the look and feel of what you would see on television. And so I think just making sure that they know how valuable they are, finding what, you know, where they are, uh, where they're best suited and then letting them grow and thrive in that role during the spring with baseball. And so um, it's really been fun to watch through the years. And I feel like, you know, where we are now is, is as close to a, for us, for, for a small division one program as close to an ESPN type product uh, as we could possibly be. And it's definitely grown through the years, but it's, it's, it's been a work in progress year to year. That's great. Thank you, Reagan. Um, Adam, Alex, what do you guys um, think about this? Because I know that sometimes, you know, we only have one camera and there's one, you know, one camera shoots, but our coaches and our athletic directors are looking for us to do more, yet we only have that option of one camera. How do we go about maybe getting more resources on our limited budget? How do we get them to say, yes, you can buy that or, you know, get that equipment? I can help a little bit with that. Just starting out when I came here to ETV, we didn't have, but web cameras is what they used. And I, I shot that down real quick and then went to coaches and we partnered to put our finances together to buy a camera to do some live streaming with. And this is, you know, 10 years ago when live streaming wasn't real big yet, but we needed something better than just a, you know, a web stream camera. And so I would suggest if you're at a place where you don't have many resources, Talk to a coach, talk to AD, partner up with your budgets. Uh, and even, you know, I've worked with uh, donors in the past. Uh, I've been blessed to uh, meet some in the past and they're like, hey, what do you need? And I said, well, this is what I really need. You know, I need something like this to, to up our broadcasting or to up our, our streaming aspect of it or to help our creative end. And uh, they're like, okay, well, let me see what I can do. And, and then, you know, maybe a few weeks or later or next year, they're, there's some finances that show up that you can use to upgrade some of that. So I think if you show what you want to do, have a vision and, and take it forward with your coaches and your athletic director and show where you want to go with it, uh, there'll be people that, that'll jump on board. And that's what I've been blessed with here. And, and you know, like what Reagan said, now we do two and three uh, cameras on, on special events where we have enough workers and events when we don't have two and three events going on at the same time. But uh, 
it's worked up through that over the years from the vision that we've had here and the people that have seen what we've done. So just continue to push forward, show what you can do, and, and then uh, you never know what can happen from that. No, that's a great idea, partnering with the teams. We've also here up in Windsor, I've gotten a sponsor um, for some of our broadcasts. And, you know, they purchased, donate some money towards the webcast. I've been able to use it for certain equipment or different features and functions. And then, you know, our broadcast is brought to you by John Smith or this company or something like that. So I've also found that um, very helpful. Alex or Whitney, did you have anything? Oh, Alex. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, a lot of what what Adam Adam said is, um, you know, leveraging the the stakeholders that that want to see it get better. Um, one thing I, I realized, I don't think we talked about yesterday, I, I use um, our, our mandate to use DV Sport and Instant Replay as a reason to get things for the broadcast. Um, we have to have, you know, right now it's a minimum of like two angles at, at baseball, softball, but obviously that's going to go to four. That's, um, you know, we have to have every angle for football, every camera that we can give them they want. Um, and obviously the coaches and the ADs in the conference wants to get every call right. So we need a camera for that. Well, the camera needs to match our the other cameras, which are broadcast standard. So there we go. We, we've we've bought some on our secondary level because um, the Sun Belt was nice enough to outfit us on the on the primary level of our, our broadcast. But, um, yeah, we were able to to purchase really a, a whole new setup last year. And I, I leveraged a lot of the, the fact that. We needed to to do better with DV Sport, and we needed to upgrade our cameras or or get more of them to get more angles. Um, and then, like you said about the one camera shoots, is you know we have we have a couple sports where we have to do that. And um, you know I've had discussions with with parent groups, with coaches, and um, you know it's not outwardly asking for money or anything from from a parent. They're already paying you know for their kid to come here in all likelihood. Um, but telling them what our limitations are and, and, you know, we feel bad that we can't do a full on show, uh, for every, for every sport. Um, and, you know, maybe they go to the, go to the foundation here at coastal and, and help out a little bit. And, um, we even for football, um, we kind of had a groundswell of, of fans wanting to, you know, have some more video board stuff, some more replays, all that. And our foundation was nice enough to, um, make our area part of their giving teal Tuesday, like that big Tuesday, um, you know, 24 hour giveathon type of thing. And, you know, we, we got an influx of, of money for, for football needs, but there's only six or seven football games a year and I'm in charge of that equipment. So it's probably going to get over to some lacrosse games and some soccer next year. And, um, you know, so leveraging like the DV sport, we have to do that stuff or official replay, whatever version you have, or, whatever your big sport is, if it's hockey, if it's basketball, you know, we need something to improve our, our hockey broadcast. Well, it might go do field hockey now or volleyball. So, um, you know, there's, there's ways for it to, to, to work. Okay. That's great. Thank you. We do have a few questions. Um, one here is from Josh Newart, and this is kind of along the lines of what Alex um, and Adam were just talking about, but he's wondering that when we get these funds, what areas of the broadcast do you put those resources towards? Example, cameras, communications, graphics. Like, how do you strategically scale up your productions with the long-term view? How do you make those decisions? What we've done is just seen what's the oldest piece of equipment that we have to replace first. Uh, <laughs> we go from there. Is it a camera? Is it a, is it a laptop? Uh, and then we say, all right, what's the cost of that? And now we're trying to get it into a rotation where we know, okay, three years from now, we have to put into the budget a new camera, or we have to put in a budget a new uh, computer. So I would just to assess what is the, the piece of equipment that you need the most right now. If it's both, um, then see which which one is, is needier. Is it the camera or the computer? Can you get a computer to work for a year and then get a new one from there? So it's just addressing... Uh, what's the oldest piece and going forward from there? That That's my advice. No, that's great. I, I think, especially with like the way cameras are now, especially if you're trying to go like high end, high end, um, that that gets almost, you know, impossible to to replace more than one and maybe even one. Like 
our trailer cameras, we're not getting a new one for, for a minute. Cause it's just, it's not going to happen. Um, but I think what could really enhance and, and bring things up is, is audio and graphics. And that's going to be a little bit more affordable. Um, you know, you start getting the pings and pops at baseball and start hearing the hits at football and, and things like that. I think people notice that a lot more. And then if you can get anything, and even if it's not Ross or VizRT or anything like that on the graphics end, um, you know, nice, clean graphics, even if it, you're not on ESPN plus and it looks a little bit like it. Um, I think, I think that's huge. Um, you know, add some bios where you can tell some stories about kids, um, you know, that's going to enhance it um, a lot more than, you know, you have three kind of prosumer cameras and then one amazing camera. You almost notice the differences more than you notice how good the, the good camera is. So I, I think audio and, and, um, and graphics are a more economical way to kind of make your improvements. Great. Thanks. Okay. So our next question, um, I think was directed towards me because I mentioned about sponsorships on the uh, webcast. It's from Martin. He says, what is your involvement in selling advertisements for your broadcast and how can I accurately price commercials based on my viewership levels? Well, Martin, what I've done is I've um, engaged my sponsorship coordinator here in our department to help get those sponsorships for me, because as you know, we all have so much stuff on our plate that going out and maybe soliciting advertisements or sponsorship for the webcast um, isn't top of mind or top priority based on what we have to do on a daily basis, but it is for my sponsorship coordinator. So I go to them and I say, listen, you know, I'm looking for some money to help, you know, enhance my broadcast and bring all of uh, new equipment and that kind of stuff in. So if you can maybe find me a sponsor or, you know, take one of our current sponsors who's up for renewal and, you know, add that into their new sponsorship package. That way you can up the sponsorship dollars that, you know, they're giving to the department. Um, as for your question of how you can accurately price commercials um, or even a title sponsorship to the webcast, I think you have to look at how many um, sports that their sponsorship is going to cover. Is it just going to be basketball and volleyball or are they going to do all of your sports? And, you know, and if it is just one sport that they're going to do, how many games do they play? Um, throughout the season, right? Like our football games, we only play four home games. So that to me, even though it has a higher viewership, it is still, you know, a smaller um, audience compared to our basketball games where we play 10 to 12 basketball games at home with the same amount of viewership. Um, so I think you have to take those kinds of things into consideration. I hope that helps. I can address that real quick too. I've had to do that here the last 10 years at ETB and help with that. And I, I base it on, you know, the cost of living in an area too. We're in a smaller town, about 25,000. So to, to ask a company to give us $10,000 for a video package or something like that wouldn't happen in this town. So I, I base it off that. And then, you know, we sell a football package and then an overall package. And we see, you know, I put in their social things and, and, and video board things for football, and then also the live streaming aspect of it. So we do it in, in three or four different tiers that we offer them anywhere from $500 up to $3,000 for the area that we live in. And then uh, that money generated then goes used to go back into my budget, but with our new administration uh, goes into a overall athletic fund that everybody can use now and uh, helps with everybody and all that we do. So um, that's what I've done to help with that aspect of it. And I do my fundraising from June till about the first of August. And then once football and all the sports coming in the fall, uh, I kind of put that on hold. And then if somebody wants something in season, then I'll, then I'll mention it to them. So that's what we do here at, at our level at division three with sponsorships and, and generating that aspect of it. Great. Thank you. Reagan. Yeah, another, you know, another thing that, that we've started to do here in the last probably four or five years, uh, we've had several just former, former players that uh, have done well in business, whatever it is that, you know, whether they own their own business uh, that want to be involved in the broadcast. And so, we have several uh, that have advertisements on our games uh, for, for you know, the companies that they own now. So that might be something, too, just to, to talk with your coaching staff to find out, you know, what what former players or people that are connected with the program that might be might want to be involved. Um, that's turned out to be a, an excellent stream of revenue for us as well on the sponsorship side. That's great. Thank you. OK, so another our third question that we have here, this one comes from Hope Hardwick. Hardwick. She's the director of athletics, video and multimedia at UNCW. And she is also a former C 
S enter and says hi to Alex <laughs> in her question. Um, her question is in this no live cut age, what are you doing to cut plays for in-game updates on social media? Exporting from replay, or is there a different service you're using? Third-party programs can really break the bank. Whitney, you had talked about um, live cutting. What do you guys do? Yeah, so I am interested um, and hope if you want to email me and we can catch up on the side, I would love to learn more too. Um, you know, over the, the last few weeks, supposedly Twitter live cut was supposed to go away and knock on wood, it hasn't for us. And what I was learning, maybe it's potentially a way that you are logging into Twitter. Um, so there's a couple different ways that I think people can pull up that live cut Twitter producer um, page. So for us, we go, we log in um, to our whatever sport is going on. And then you we go to studio.twitter.com. And as of right now, there is still a tab for us that shows producer. So the way that we are getting live cut into Twitter is via our control room, um, I believe through Wirecast. Um, that's the easiest way that we found it, that it works. Um, that's what we've done all season. And like I said, knock on wood, it's still working. Um, but I did learn that it seemed like it just may depend on how you're going into Twitter to do that. Um, we, a couple other ways that we've done it for sports that, uh, may not be through our control room, for example, golf the other week at their conference championship, um, you know, just screen recording the ESPN plus broadcast. Um, mainly off of a PC. I don't know. Macs are really funky in that capability. Um, so those with other kinds of computers may know a little bit more about that. Um, you know, and sometimes that's a little jumpy as well. Um, it's definitely not the best of quality, but it, get, it got the job done. Um, but yeah, so right now, like I said, knock on wood, Twitter live cut, I, I think is still working for some people. So like I said, I'd be happy to connect with you on the side and maybe we can walk through and try and figure that out. Um, because I have looked into the third party um, ways like you have, and they are not cheap. So I totally understand it. I think it's funny that you said you record the computer screen because I've done that on multiple occasions to get a replay or a, a video clip. That's hilarious. Whatever, whatever um, works. Exactly. Oh, that is so funny. Um, Hope said she's uh, she'll connect with you, Whitney. So keep an awesome. eye out for her email. Um, I think that that was all of our topics that we had for today. Any last words of wisdom from our panel? Reagan, why don't you go first? I think we're all kind of in the same boat. Uh, a lot of us with, with leaning on students to, uh, to be involved in our production. Uh, I think a lot of great points were brought up. Obviously there's a, there's a ton of hours that we all put in and, uh, you know, I go back to just some comments that were made just in terms of making sure that, uh, that students get, you know, obviously they're working a ton of hours, but th that they get the appropriate rest that they need, that we were scheduling appropriately. But I think too, for us, it comes back to setting expectations as well. Um, a lot of times we may not do that as well as we should just, in, and we all know working in, in college athletics, the hours are crazy. I mean, we're, we're typically the first ones here when the last ones to leave. And so just uh, setting proper expectations to let them know the, the long hours, but but what it comes down to is how, how valuable they are and really, uh, trying to pour into students, recognizing their worth and, and giving them constant feedback. Let them know the things that they're doing really well. Uh, encourage them in those areas. And then also uh, give them constructive criticism, be able to give them feedback and, and tell them areas where they where they can grow. And that's typically where we've seen, you know, students flourish the most. Great. Adam, your words of wisdom. Uh, I, I would say continue to build those relationships within uh, the school with uh, the communications, with even the coaches, the donors, and different things, and and show them what you were doing, and then uh, be patient. It doesn't happen overnight. Uh, what a lot of us have has has been built up over the years, and and Rome wasn't built in one day. So it takes time. It takes patience, and and don't get negative with it. Uh, there's a tendency in our industry where a lot of us become that negative Nancy and we get down on ourselves and we get burnt out, try and, and take a deep breath and know that you're doing a good job. You're doing a great job with what you have and your resources. And you got to be reminded of that because not a lot of people tell you you're doing a good job and you are. So just continue 
moving forward and keep pushing forward for the things you want and stay positive and have fun with it. Thanks, Adam. Alex, I see you nodding your head in agreement. Yeah, I think that the having fun with it is is key because it can wear you down. Um, so um, I think the thing, and I can't believe I'm going to say this and it's going to date me, but uh, don't go chasing waterfalls. Um, they <laughs> just like, what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of things are getting shared about how cool this broadcast is or, you know, the you know, the extra, you know, the awesome graphic they, they did or anything like that. And when really all your fans want to do is, is see the game and see a clean show. Um, does it sound good? Does it look good? Um, do they see every play? Um, you know, you get caught with your special angle and all of a sudden you, you, you don't see the pitch and someone hits a home run, then cool. That special angle did you no good. Um, so I think, especially when we're talking about resources, using students is don't overstretch yourself and, you know, put on a good show. Then once you feel good, you know, you've done a couple of weeks where it's like, man, that was clean. Then add your bells and whistles. And, um, I think, you know, where possible and, and when resources allow, but, um, I think definitely, you know, go for your, you know, go back to your base when you need to and, and put on that show. Cause really they just want to watch whether they're a parent, a fan, they just want to watch their kids and their school. Um, and, and if you can add stuff, that's great, but really they're there for the game. And I think we have to remember that sometimes. No, you're right. Whitney, your thoughts. Well, I think everybody took my great thoughts, but, um, you know, to reiterate what everyone has said, you know, is one, be patient in this industry, you know, one piece of advice that I received one time from Maria Taylor was to be poised in the pocket. So to throw out the sports reference, um, you know, be poised in everything that you do. Um, you all said, you know, some of you said, have fun. If you're not having fun in this industry, then it may not be for you because athletics obviously is a lifestyle. Um, so find, find the positives of it. Um, and then obviously like, just like we're doing right now, use who, you know, network. Um, we're all here to help each other out. And I know I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for everyone to help me in the sports industry along the way. Um, you know, I'm lucky enough to be in a spot now that I can give back to students and, and those even in coming into college already. Um, whereas when you think about when I think about where I was 10 years ago, basically in their shoes, um, reaching out and always asking questions and wanting to learn new things. Um, you know, it's just, it's crazy to think about how far you can get in this industry if you use your resources the right way. Yes, that is so true. Thank you guys all for that. And I just want to say too, just to add my two cents, make sure, you know, when you're working with your students, you're thinking of your students, make sure you're thanking your students, make sure your students are having fun because if they're having fun and they feel appreciated and that what they're doing is actually making a difference, they will work hard for you and they will learn for you and they will do more things for you. But also keep in mind too, that they may try and burn themselves out and we don't want that to happen. And you know, I'm thinking about Nathaniel in this conversation too. So just make sure you're thanking your staff and your students and they will, you know, they'll give back what you give them. So I just want to give a big thanks to all of our presenters today for the discussions and all of the wonderful insights. Again, the webinar will be on demand later today, so share that information with your colleagues. We encourage you to check out the website, collegesportscommunicators.com, for updated information on what's on tap for CSC's upcoming Unite 23 convention. And then a reminder to all of you to make sure you gra your graduate and undergraduate students and interns are aware of our CSCU camp, which is a virtual two-day event for aspiring and young professionals, which is taking place June 1st and 2nd. The virtual event is free, but it requires advanced registration at the website. So thank you all again for being with us today, and we hope you all have a wonderful Wednesday.